0: This is Toastcaster, Volume 13, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. This episode, Striving for the World Championship, Part 1. What's it really like to vie for that coveted title of world champion in public speaking? I guess to become a world champion at anything would probably be quite a feat. Well this year is no exception. Toastmasters International, as they do every year, had their International Speech Contest where 10 of the best speakers from around the world vie for that coveted title. This year the International Convention was held in August in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, part of District 42. And we're very pleased that Martin Presse from District 42 was representing Region 4 in the finals. Now although Martin did not win, we have him here today. Martin's gonna share his experience and what led up to that big day at the World Champion of Public Speaking. He's gonna talk about some of the challenges and some of the hurdles that he had to overcome. And then in part two, he's gonna talk about speech preparation and he's gonna offer advice to both new Toastmasters and Toastmasters that have been around for, for a while. And as a special treat today, we have a guest host. Our host tonight will be Karen Tober. She is the Prairie Horizons newsletter editor for District 42 for 2008 and 2009.
1: All right. Good.
0: This is Karen's first time, Martin, so be easy on her.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. I'll be
0: easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is true. I won't use the word, but yeah. So first of all, Martin, let me say that District 42 is extremely proud of you for carrying the banner and representing District 42 on the world stage this summer. How amazing was it to be a participant in that high-profile event? I can't even imagine.
2: Um, I, I tried to play it down as much as I could because I felt that if if I let myself think about it too much, that I carried away and just start thinking, oh, it's the world championships. I would psych myself out. But it was very, very exciting. I mean, the, the closer we got to the contest, the more excited I became. And 10 minutes before the contest, that's when the whole thing really hit me. <laughs> so wow. That's, a, that's <laughs> 10 minutes too late. Suddenly, I was like, this is the world championships. This is big. And But again, I, I just kept thinking to myself, just just a speech it's just another contest and the only way that i could keep it normal for myself otherwise i would have got overwhelmed
1: no kidding how did you handle the media buzz created by your involvement in the high profile event did you loved- did you have to hide out from the notorious paparazzi? <laughs> uh,
2: yes, yeah, no, for sure. I was wearing mustaches. Um, I loved that. It was a lot of fun and you know, it's that whole thing where everybody will be famous for 15 minutes and yes, and I thought right? this was it. You know, this is something that uh, my kids someday will look back and and, and will listen to when I'm 85 and laugh and and have a good time with it. So in my mind I kept thinking just enjoy this. You know, Darren Lacroix the 2001 World Champ uh, sent me an email one day and he said just don't let it overwhelm you enjoy the wow. experience because you yeah. will look back on it one day and you'll realize that that saturday might have been your best day ever you know and i thought well that's a great day great way to look at it just really enjoy every minute of it and that's with the whole the whole interview process with the cbc and the, and the radios and the tvs and the you know whatever the the newspapers it again it was part of that process just to enjoy every minute of it and
1: you were able to do that You were able to just sink it. No kidding. Well, that's very cool. In our little bit of interaction in preparing for this interview, you mentioned that you rewrote your speech 72 hours before the contest. I think that takes incredible guts. Is that because you like to live on the edge? Or was there some other reason for putting yourself through the paces this way?
2: I think most speakers are a bit of an adrenaline junkie, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I definitely am. I think that's why we put ourselves out there. We get a real high from that, from the risk that comes from putting yourself out there, and whether you're loved or you're hated. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And, but what happened was 72 hours before the contest, I think maybe I panicked a little bit, looked at my speech, and just realized it wasn't going to win. And so I thought, I have a choice here. I can go for the gusto and write a new one. And I had a speech coach with me and he believed that I had a better story to tell. And so the both of us got really excited and went for broke.
0: Martin, would, would you recommend that to others? Never.
2: Never, never, never. I'll tell you what, too, and I was talking with Darren about it, and you know, he said to other people, I've done this before, I'm not the first to crack and, and decide to go with something completely different. I don't think it's ever worked for anybody else. It didn't work for me, and I would not recommend it. It wasn't, it wasn't a good idea. But am I glad I did it? Absolutely. Because it showed me that under the toughest of pressure, I can still go out there and do something with it.
0: I was going to ask you at that moment, was there any moment that you felt that, I'm not going to do this?
2: Absolutely. About 20, 20 minutes before I went on, I saw Rowena and I think she saw it in my eyes, so I was just about ready to, to cry and just, I mean, I didn't even know my first three lines. <sighs> I, I could not remember my first three lines, oh so my- I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I, knew I
0: was in trouble. <laughs> and what was it that made you go on? Of course, Rowena went to the championships. I think that was in 2005. I think in Toronto was it yeah. not? What was it that made you go on?
2: It, the, the challenge. The, I did not want to be the guy that quit. I didn't want to be the guy that everybody looked back on and say, "Oh, do you remember in 2008? You know, that guy quit." I didn't want to be him. And and also my kids. You know, I've always told them when you try to when you begin something, you know, really, really do your best. To, uh, to finish it. And uh, it will be difficult and sometimes it will it will not go your way, but you must always give the best of yourself. And I thought, what kind of my lesson am I teaching them if I just, if I walk away? And I knew that if I walked away, I would regret it. There you have it. Oh, <laughs> funny story. About five minutes before I went on, I ran into J.A. Gamache, uh, five minutes before the contest started. And he has been there, I think, three times now. And he's from Quebec. So I'm from Quebec. So we have a little bit in common. And I told him my situation. I said, I, I don't even know the first three lines. Like, I am done. This is This is like a lamb to the wolves here. And so he said, you know what? Forget it. And big, thick French accent. Forget it. Forget it. Don't remember the words. Don't remember nothing. Just go up there and tell the story. Just tell the story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, all right. You know what? And I didn't know the story. I just couldn't remember the words to it. And he said, be big, be very big, go left, go right, go up, go down, and talk to the back of the stage, talk to the back of the stage. (laughs) So I thought, all right. And that right there told me, you know what, Martin, be big, talk to the back of the audience, and you'll be fine. And as best as I could, that's what I did.
0: That's the inspiration, because even as advice for newer Toastmasters, when they're getting up there and they feel that they just can't do it, here's someone that has been doing it for a long time, and so if yeah. they feel a little like that, but yeah, then they absolutely. go for it, and that's okay. If, can if you it, can, do it, can do it, they can do it.
2: I barely, I barely got out of club. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> there you go.
1: But as a writer, I find that I'm lean on my words the way they're written as a, my crutch. And, and I have a very poor memory because, you know, memory's the second thing to go. So it's very challenging. I can't even imagine just getting up there and telling the story, especially to an audience that size, never mind at my club level.
2: Yeah. By the time you get up there, you have spoken to so many audiences that, I mean, you're, you're nervous, but it's a good nervous. And if you just bring it back down to the very basics, do I know the English language? Yes. <laughs> Can I enunciate? Yes. That's all that matters. Get up there and let loose. If you know the story, you can tell a story. And that's where a lot of speakers, I think falter is that they get stuck on the words and ed tate has a great audio lesson on that and he just calls it getting out of your head get out of your head tell the story and the words will come i think that i did that when i got to regional as i finally realized how important that was just get out of your head stop thinking about it and give it because that is the best thing you can do for any audience is to tell them the story and that's what they're there for to tell them the best story and the words will come
1: Tell me about your speech. I see here, crazy ex-lovers. Is that the way it's to be said, or I so regret not being able to be there?
2: Oh, that's okay. The speech is called crazy ex-lovers, so EX. Oh, uh, (laughs) EX-lovers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not not X, thinking, as an X number of it's lovers. It's a position I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with that title about half an hour before the contest. I didn't, I didn't have a title. I was still working on it. When I gave it to the contest judge, he's like, are you serious? This is what you want to go with? I said, just write it down. We're going with it. See, sometimes you want to take an audience in one direction. And then on a moment's notice, you turn on a dime and take them in another direction. And the title for me really does that. And I heard the audience response when they said, you know, Martin Press had crazy (laughs) ex-lovers. I could hear them chuckling going, and I thought, ah, I got a little bit of a laugh there. But then the speech is actually very serious. So I took them right off the bat in one direction, and then when I started talking, I went in another. And it's it's a beautiful story about my very best friend is my ex-girlfriend. And so, crazy ex-lovers. There you have it. If I had delivered the speech properly, uh, the way that it should have been delivered, it would have been even more impactful. But I wound up forgetting about a quarter of it. So,
0: I noticed the disconnect with the with the title and the speech. But I thought there was some sort of a twist, which is, so it kept me wondering what you were going to say next.
2: You know what? And that is that is an excellent lesson to learn as a speaker is you always want to keep the audience thinking, Well, what's he going to say next? What's he going to say next? And I felt that the title would do that if I had just said, have a heart. That was like the very first title that I thought of, have a heart. And I'm thinking that the audience is going to go, oh, <laughs> all right. at that title it really doesn't make you want to go what's that about what's he going to say now and that that's the essence of of any good speeches where is he going now what's he going to say next
1: that's true so what impact did you want to leave your audience with when you finish speaking
2: That is such a good question. At the end of any speech, you always want the audience to remember just a few key words so that when they're standing in the back of the room, they're going to say, "Uh, Martin's speech, what was it about? And I want them to right away go, have a heart. Your heart has got to be in the right place. If your heart's in the right place, you'll do the right thing. And that was the message behind that story. In my regional speech, it was all about the value and the power of words. And sometimes just saying a few words like, I believe in you. You know, that'll last for a lifetime, and I know that that had a nice impact. You want to leave the audience with just an immediate connection with your speech. and in, in this case, it was, if your heart's in the right place, he will do the right thing.
1: Right. It sounds like you succeeded in delivering the message that you had hoped to.
2: I don't know how well I did because I forgot a lot of it. I kept it really short. I think I was off the stage in just over six minutes. A number of people were very nice and came up and just said, that was a great speech, I loved it, and and they were very warm with it. And at the end of the day, I think more than anything, because it was such a difficult time, my kids were there, and, and Patty was there, she's my ex, And at the end of the day, I thought, I I need to tell her, I need to tell them that I'm the person I am today because they made sure that my heart was always in the right place. Patty and I have, have, you know, really connected since. And we've always been very close friends. Now we're the best of friends. And I think that that speech has really cemented our friendship. If at the end of the day that's all I got out of it, that's great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess so.
0: It sounds like your speeches can impact your life too, not just in terms of what it can do for you in terms of your skills or in terms of your job or your career, but even in your personal life. That's that's obvious
2: absolutely absolutely you know when you deliver the right speech and the one that you're meant to give it really does affect you and i can see why a couple times while during the contest these sort of had emotional hugs while i'm speaking and that's when i know that i'm giving the right speeches because i believe it and i feel it and it's it's having an impact on my life so yes absolutely
1: were you close to two tears in the delivery of that speech at any no, time?
2: No, I didn't. I, I didn't because I was so much in my mind at the time. I, I was really just struggling to make sure, all right, here's the beginning, here's the middle. Oh, look, the green light just went off. I can now get <laughs> off <laughs> without being disqualified. So I, it was hard to, to become emotional because I was so focused on just make sure you, you say the right story at the right time in the right timing rather so no I didn't I delivered it 48 hours later though and it was perfect and I loved it and I got really emotional and I did wow. see Mm-mm. there you go that's all I need was 48 <laughs> more hours yeah so.
1: under normal circumstances what's the minimum amount of time you would devote to speech preparation
2: six weeks seems to be the magic number um, anymore and I overthink it and, I, and it starts to actually get worse so six weeks I found that it is really good it's a slow process. It seems to me that's the amount of time in between the contests. And I think that right. the brain just kind of goes into that mode, you have six weeks, go.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. serious commitment to the product.
2: I don't know. The one speech that got me through district and the speech that got me through regional kind of wrote themselves seriously within about a day, day and a half. And then I just some minor editing here and there, but it was uh, six weeks and, and it was almost to the day that I would say, okay, now it's ready to go. Anytime before that, there was still, I could see that there was changes to be made. And in this case, I had about five weeks and look what happened. <laughs> I needed that extra week, but everybody's in the same boat.
0: For the benefit of those listening who may be not familiar with the process, the contestants can use the same speech at club, area, division, and district, but once they move on to region, they have to write a new speech, and it has to be significantly different than the previous, and then when you go on to international, you have to write a speech yet again. So you might have the best ultimate speech all the way up to district, but sometimes it's a challenge to sort of get to that next level.
2: Exactly. A lot of people have one great speech. Fewer people still have a second grade speech. And very, very few people, if anybody, has a third grade speech. And don't take it from me, take it from Ed Tate. He, he sat me down one day and uh, we talked about that.
1: Well, it sounds like you had a lot of mentors on your way up the ladder and through this daunting process. And how did you connect with those people?
2: I picked up the phone (laughs) two years ago. What a
1: novel concept.
2: Yeah. Well, Darren LaCroix, when he was competing for the 2001 contest, I realized that he could do that. And I listened to him speak two years ago, and he said, why doesn't everybody do that? And so right away, you know, I called him up after seeing him speak in 2006 and just said, all right, well, I need a mentor, so what do I do now? (laughs) And I joined something called the Edge Club. And the Edge Club is open to Toastmasters, and you get access to five world champions that help you out along the way. And uh, right away, I connected with Craig Valentine in March of 2007, at the beginning of the contest season. And I flew to Baltimore to work with Craig for two days. And uh, I'm convinced that without him, I would not have gotten through to the regional contest. Those uh, 16 hours with him changed my speaking career life completely. And after that, I, I flew to Dallas. A few weeks before the international contest, to work with Jim Kiefer a little bit, and that was invaluable. And obviously all the emails too, to other world champions that uh, really helped out, and people who've just competed at the world championship, just to ask them a few lines, just a few questions on how I'd feel or, or what to expect from the judges and the audience and stuff like that. So the, But yeah, having worked with the past world champions made all the difference.
0: That was Striving for the Championship, part one with Martin Pressé and guest host Karen Tober, Prairie Horizons editor for District 42, 2008 and 2009. Stay tuned for part two coming up real soon where Martin continues to tell us a little bit more about his experience and he'll have advice for both new Toastmasters and seasoned Toastmasters. I'm Greg Gazin. Toastcaster is available at www.toastcaster.com. It's available free through iTunes at apple.ca and available through your favorite podcast feeder. This is Greg Gazin saying, have a great day.